Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem and welcome to the second part of our conversation with Brigadier General Ephraim Effie Defrin, the head of the Israeli International Cooperation Division of the General Staff. This is Watchman Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli security experts and practitioners. Welcome again, Effie. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, in our first part, we talked about uh, your own experience about uh, coming up uh, through uh, armor, uh, commanding in battle in Lebanon, being badly wounded, and after recuperating, uh, changing course by, uh, first of all, uh, going twice to military school abroad in the UK and then India, and becoming the Israeli defense attaché. Uh, in New Delhi, which was, of course, a stepping stone to your current position. How did you find India when you got there? What, what was um, interesting there for you uh, to find out uh, during uh, this year? Was that um, a period of three years running, first one um, in the school and then immediately thereafter as an attaché? Yes, immediately. I studied in India, as I mentioned before, I did my uh, national defense school. It's, a, it's an exchange, officer exchange program. We have Indian officers studying in the Israeli National Defense College every year. And almost every year we have an Israeli officer which study in Delhi. It was a very unique and amazing uh, opportunity for me. And uh, again, uh, uh, personally and also uh, officially and uh, I know uh, professionally because uh, I learned a lot from that. It's a different planet for an Israeli officer. We are very, very much Western-oriented. If we think about India or the East as a whole, we think about, you know, we have tradition of officers or soldiers who retire from the military service, their com- compulsory service of three years, very hard service, and going to travel in India or in South America. So this is my, was my orientation about India. I didn't think anything. I thought one day I might climb the Himalayas in Nepal or something or travel the beautiful beaches of Goa when I have time and retire. But I didn't think to go and learn there, study there and serve there. So it's, um, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, continent, subcontinents, 1.3 billion people, different cultures. Uh, again, very different from the Western way of thinking uh, and the Israeli way of thinking. We have much to learn from them, and I uh, learned a lot. The Israeli Defense Forces, uh, when uh, was created in the late 1940s, and then uh, as it grew in the 1950s, still had a lot of the British tradition, at least one of the strands, uh, along with other uh, strands, uh, such as irregular warfare and um, uh, the Second World War, partisans and others, one of the strands, especially in the Armored Corps, was the British Army. And of course, the Indian Army is also Amazing. an offshoot of the old British Army. What did you counter there uh, especially coming from the UK, uh, as you <laughs> right. So before before I went to India, I had a meeting with the uh, British uh, Defense Attaché in uh, in Israel. At that time, it was 2015. He served in India before that, and then we had a meeting, and he said he uh, you know talked to me about different issues about uh, warfare and tanks, and also he wanted to talk with me about my experience. And, and then I mentioned that I'm going to leave to India. So he said, "Wow, amazing! India, the British military. If you want to look back at history and see how the British military." Looked at the end of the 18th century, look at, Brit- at, the, at the Indian military today, you'll see beautiful reflection of the British military because he said, sadly, 
we as Brits lost a lot of uh, of our heritage, lost a lot of our traditions because of budgets and uh, you know change of in reality. But the Indians kept it. So as I mean, a, the, the regiments. Yeah, the regiment system, which still exists in Britain, but differently. And also the way they wear, the way they behave to officers and the traditions. In my opinion, as an armed officer, unfortunately, we lost as Israelis. Because we have main two uh, different, way, two main influences on the Israel. You mentioned the British military influence and the traditions we got from the Brits, which usually is the, or mainly is the Air Force, Israeli Air Force and Israeli Armour Corps. This is the uh, Chaim Laskov and all these officers who came from the, as a Weizmann who came from the British military. And we have the influence, the biggest influence, which also, in my opinion, relates to your first questions about our chiefs. From the underground, the Israeli underground, which we are more, it wasn't, you know, uh, official military, it was a uh, guerrilla organization. Popular army. Yeah, popular army. They didn't have uniform, no ranks, no officiality, no hierarchy. And they had to, uh, they, they had a lot of initiative and they had to invent new things all the time and to survive. And when Israel was uh, established and then 26th of May, 1948, when David Ben-Gurion announced the uh, uh, the buildup of the new Israeli defense forces, the Israeli army, uh, these two uh, forces, uh, you know, merged together and created this military. So we still, still these days, Israeli infantry <laughs> has lots of influence from this. But, but it is said that the morale and the esprit de corps and the audacity are fine uh, for an infantry assault. A mechanical vehicle such as a tank yeah. needs some discipline. Right. Discipline and tradition and, and learning from uh, you know, experience. Otherwise, you can't do it. So this is the main influences. Now, being in India, it's, a, it's an amazing country. And I learned a lot from them, especially, you know, let's not talk. I mean, I'm not talking about the military and how to operate military, though we have much to learn. You know, I learned that in the Kashmir uh, area, uh, in in their struggle over there, there are more than 800 casualties a year. It's a huge number of people. Did you go to the line of control there? I, I was, uh, during my studies, I visited the line of control, yes. And uh, amazing, the challenges that they are facing, them protect, pro- they're protecting their villages and protecting this line from penetrators and infiltrators and hostile infiltrators is amazing. And mountain warfare, uh, when you were serving uh, on the Golan Heights or going into Lebanon, these yeah. are not very high mountains. Yeah, these are not even mountains. They are not small hills. You know, Foot, comp- foothills. Yeah, exactly, compared to what they faced there. So, uh, and uh, it's in, uh, the uh, Indian military is very traditional. On one hand, on the other hand, it's 21,000 kilometers of borders. I think it's 14, about 14,000 kilometers at sea and seven at land. It's huge. I mean, the scale is totally different than what we are facing in Israel. So, uh, Did they also cover a very sensitive topic? And that is how to conduct regular conventional warfare in the face of unconventional arsenals the nuclear arsenals, which both the Indians and the Pakistanis have. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a mean of deterrence between the, these two uh, nuclear powers, uh, India and, uh, and Pakistan. And, uh, yeah, we didn't discuss it a, a lot. Uh, naturally, you know, it's uh, very covert issues, uh, which they are not, uh, you know, uh, sharing with, uh, with partners, uh, as they pr- uh, respect Israel, and, but not sharing these issues with us. Uh, and I respected that being there. But again, there are many other issues uh, we could discuss together. And What did you uh, find out when serving in India, not uh, as a student, as an attaché, regarding the Israeli defense industry and arms sales and cooperation to and with India? 
uh, I, your question relates to my experience in abroad as a, as a whole and it also it connects me to my uh, uh, you know my uh, role now as a uh, The chief Israeli uh, military uh, diplomat uh, and in the core I'm commanding now uh, which is the uh, uh, how Israel is being perceived by our uh, friends and foes around the world and the IDF is being perceived because again it's and I'm trying to be modest here first the, the IDF is perceived first as modest force I mean and our officers abroad are being educated I mean first you listen then you say, This is first thing and, and second thing is very difficult for Israelis very Israeli very 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 Israeli to talk and very hard for us to shut up sometimes but uh, uh, but it's it's not because of we are uh, you know trying to show off it's because again we unfortunately we have lots of experience regarding the issues we mentioned before so the IDF the Israel Defense Force is perceived as the cutting edge of modern military and With a lot of experience using modern technology the best technology uh, with a lot of initiatives and a lot of innovations Israel as a whole is perceived as an innovation country but uh, the military is, is utilizing the uh, these innovations into his uh, uses sometimes he's starting these innovations and then they are used to different uh, capabilities so one of the things I was working in India uh, as a defense attache is uh, trying to uh, Um, you know India is a uh, uh, most of its economy is uh, is uh, is about agriculture and how to utilize water because of uh, lower resources of water and this is something they found out in Israel so we are trying to teach them how to use satellites and the space technology uh, in order to find how every route of every so the, uh, the use, utilize the water the so you can imagine is, the, the military uses for these two implications. No, the use is civilian but the the uh, hardware which and the technology which you are trying uh, to uh, to sell or to help uh, uh, sell is uh, military defense aerospace right just to make it clear myself as military uh, officer and defense attache and the Israeli military regardless of what, what I said before of being perceived as innovative and so on and so forth we are not selling weapons in in, in no means we, we any Israeli officer, In service will never send will sell any weapon to any country what we are doing is sharing uh, our experience and we are selling so-called perception so uh, like protecting borders protecting our borders in different kinds of terrain and different uh, you know challenges like the proxy warfare we are facing and the uh, proxies of uh, of uh, modern countries like Iran which supplies with modern weapons to it uh, protecting borders uh, through fences yeah, yeah. obstacles exactly so what we share is our experience and our perception how the doctrine how we do it now at the end of this day of talking about this perception there are to- toys there are weapons there is fence like you mentioned there are cameras there are drones or whatever we use or in a census different senses which our industries are very good in it so uh, this is one of the things so you you uh, come back to Israel and you are appointed in essence as you said either the foreign minister <laughs> or the director general of the foreign ministry of the Israeli military in charge of liaison with essentially all other the Uh, points of contact right could you describe your job yeah first uh, I just came back here from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs we are having uh, you know our coordination meetings once in a while we are not replacing the Israeli Foreign Affairs which is amazing uh, professionals is built by professional op- and have huge history of um, protecting Israel with his own uh, you interface with the geographical bureaus or with the political military one both 
both on different means. And I will give you some example right away, you know. So this is the first thing. We are, uh, uh, the combination between the two efforts is uh, making it, uh, the synergy be- better between us because we are second, uh, uh, second uh, in, in this. Day. Front row is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and second, modest, the other row is the military. As you say, modest. No, no but, but naturally, as I said before, because the military, because IDF is very uh, published around BBC, CNN, other uh, television around the world, uh, is, is very popular, very, you know, I don't know, I don't know if popular is the right word, but it's very, you know, is known around the world with these capabilities and he's perceived as cutting edge. We are called to say what we, uh, what we have to say about things. We have to be coordinated with the Israeli interest. We are not a military for the Israeli military. The aim is the Israeli interest, and we are, we are part of it. So uh, in my job, I'm uh, responsible for three main, uh, let's say, uh, vectors. First one is our main friend and ally in the world is the United States of America, which we have very unique relations with, and we have uh, a variety of uh, connections with them. You with don't the have one... Point of contact, one counterpart. Several, you know, there are they. Could the, you list them? The the European Command, UCOM, of course, CENTCOM, yeah. Central Command. We are in the AOR of CENT, CENTCOM, uh, no, where, where no. we are operating. We are, and we, we are, are next are, next to the AOR. Yeah, right, right. So, and we have the uh, we are related uh, to UCOM, uh, United, you know, the European Command of. Uh, of uh, the United States military. And we have very good connection with the Pentagon, which is, uh, you know, the headquarters of all the American military. We, had the, we have a defense attaché. We have big de- de- uh, uh, delegation in, in Washington. As you know yourself, you have your own experience. It is still the biggest one in the world because of the nature of this relation. So this is one thing. Second thing is the international community. International relations, we have a different countries in the world serving three uh, main lines of efforts. First is the, uh, you know, first build-up. We have our own interest. I will not lie to you. I mean, we have uh, interest these days to learn from others and to share, in, 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 in get back, you know, for us, our interest, like what we call forced build-up. We get some equipment, uh, doctrine, methods, learning from the world. We have different uh, variety of experience around the world, which we would like to learn and to teach uh, uh, in a change. So this is uh, one thing. Second thing is the uh, uh, influence uh, line of effort. Because we are there, we are on the screens around the world. We want to say our story, our point of view. Like you know, if you have one uh, 30 minutes or 30 seconds in, in BBC where they see an Israeli soldiers and hitting a Palestinian, there is a whole story behind it. And we want to share this story. Uh, not to be perceived as violent, because we are trying to protect our nation. But isn't nation. this the, the job of the IDF spokesman? Spokesperson? Yeah, there is a very good uh, coordination between the two, uh, these two tools, let's say it, the military diplomacy and the IDF spokesperson. We work totally together. I mean, they have their own uh, lines of efforts and we have lines of efforts. And your third line? Yeah, and the third line, as you mentioned before, is operational issues in which we, have, we are cooperating operationally with the other uh, 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 friends, neighbors, uh, whatever, in order to uh, operate better. And to learn, again, learn from their capabilities and, uh, and so on and so forth. One, one so, of your predecessors in the 1990s uh, once had uh, a map um, on, on his uh, office wall. Perhaps it's the same office you occupy now. Uh, we showed the uh, ranking of uh, military friends Israel has all over the world. At that time, of course, the United States was there. At that time, Jordan entered the picture when we signed peace with it. Egypt, obviously, ever since 1982. And Turkey. At one, time, uh, at one time, he also mentioned Singapore. 
India later. Could you now portray the world according to the international cooperation division? So, so I was trying to uh, describe before or more politically the three different uh, you know, uh, lines of effort. So we talked about the uh, United States of America, we talked about the international community, and we are talking about the region now. This is the third, and I think this will answer your question. We are looking at our region, our neighbors first. We used to call ourselves, you know, small countries surrounded by, when you were young, <laughs> we used to be a, a young, uh, you know, a young and small country surrounded by enemies. The aim now is for the sake of our children is to become, and we see the news now, to be a small country surrounded by partners. I will not say, I will not dare say surrounded by friends. Hopefully it will happen one day, but surrounded by partners. So usually, usually we have the global and the local. Now we have local, regional and global. It's amazing what happened, what happens around us. It's a... Uh, Almost messianic, you know, thinking about these things. It was my father's, my late father's dream, having peace with our neighbors. He came as an immigrant from Romania, as I mentioned before, lost his, most of his family to uh, the Nazis and then uh, had to join the military right from the ship to the military service and join all the wars. So when I was young, I'm the youngest amongst five uh, brothers and sisters. He used to say, when you become older, you will not join the, the military. Military will not be needed anymore. It was an Israeli dream. I think every house you heard this, uh, this sentence. So I don't think it's happening now, but I, I think I perceive my unit as a, we have a very unique and special role in promoting this vision. So uh, we have now UAE and we have uh, 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 Bahrain and Sudan, and there are probably more to follow. Uh, there are interests in the region. The traditional way of thinking of us as, you know, uh, demons and... Uh, people with horns and anti-Semitic even thoughts of Israel is changing because of many reasons. We have no time to elaborate on this. But I will seize this opportunity. I mean, not only myself, Israel as a whole, the military, and us as an you know, international branch, as diplomats of the military, will try to seize this opportunity in order to utilize it as much as we can and to widen this circle of local and regional uh, neighbors. Let's take the example of Jordan. Uh, sometimes there are very cool relations between the political echelons of the government. Yet the military on both uh, sides, uh, especially on the ground, of course we share a border, the Jordan River and other parts, and um, we share enemies. So we must share intelligence and uh, we cooperate uh, with each other. Could you uh, elaborate on, on the difference between the perception of the political relationship and the reality of the military one? Well, there is uh, two uh, ways of looking at this question because you know, there is the nature of countries, you know, the, the culture and how the political system is working and the demographic issues of every country. And I would, I would like to prevent myself to, uh, from elaborating on these issues because it's very sensitive. But I would like to say that the military relations, professional military relations between the militaries, my counterpart in the Jordanian part and my relations are very good relations. We talk almost once a week, even more in some times, uh, trying to support each other. Our longest border is with Jordan. And they are here to stay, and we believe that we are here for this, to stay forever. We have to be coordinated. The peace treaty of 1994, it's, uh, again, it's a dream for us. We are, we, I think uh, that we are aligned, myself and my counterpart, the, both militaries from both sides are aligned in this interest to keep it like that for, forever. He is also a Brigadier General? He's a Brigadier General, yes. What about your relationship with your Egyptian counterparts? Well, same. It's evolving uh, uh, interest, mutual interest. 
We have more than 40 years of peace treaty with Egypt now, and I'm talking from the uh, military angle and uh, trying to, again, uh, not ignore, but uh, avoid talking about the political issues, which are, have ups and downs along the way, Jordan and Egypt. But again, we are neighbors. We are facing mutual challenges these, these days. Uh, look, the traditional way of thinking of our neighbors, you know, the local and uh, the international is different now. Look at what happens economically. And, and you see how the military have something to do with it. Because look at Egypt, uh, Greece, Cyprus, Israel, Jordan, and even Lebanon, hopefully one day. You have these gas findings in the West East Mediterranean Sea. You have the treaty now we have between Israel, Egypt, Greece, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and Cyprus, which we have to uh, share our assets together, ship it by pipe or in other means to Europe, which is an amazing opportunity for uh, does that for compensate peace. you? Does it compensate you for the deterioration in the relationship with Turkey? Uh, well, it, look, Turkey is not an enemy country of ours. In all means, we have a defense attaché in Israel, which I keep uh, in touch with the Turkish defense attaché in, in Tel Aviv. Uh, we had uh, we have history of good relations among the militaries, and we would like to keep it this way. Now there are political uh, timeframes in which things can change. So these days, political situation maybe is not the best, but uh, uh, military to military or country to country, we don't see, we don't perceive Turkey as our enemy in no, in no means. We have enough enemies. I mean, again, it's not a secret. We have Iran. We have the entren- Iranian entrenchment around us. We ha- have the Iran nuclear capabilities, which threatening us, threatening to th- in, in the leader, the Hamina'i's uh, words, to, to throw Israel into the fire of hell. Uh, with their nuclear power. So we we have our history of 2,000 years. As military, we are obliged to believe what he says and do our best to av- avoid it. So we don't want another enemies. Let's go back to Egypt and to the MFO, the uh, Multinational Force and Observers, uh, which has been in existence for the last 38 years. But there is always uh, an axe, a budget axe, hovering over its head from the Pentagon. Um, this is the curse of the uh, force's success. Right. People say uh, there's no need for it because uh, the relations uh, are peaceful. Uh, there's uh, a battalion worth of Americans there. Let's take them home. Is that, is that a real uh, scenario? Well, this is one of the things I'm facing day to day. I mean, uh, this is one of the main things I'm doing in my job uh, as part of, we have different uh, force, uh, peace force, uh, forces, uh, peacekeeping uh, forces around us, mainly the United Nations, different forces, but the, the unique example of the MFO is a, is a wonderful example. It's a very efficient force. It's been utilized during the years and reduced its force since the peace treaty uh, was signed between Israel and Egypt under the supervision of the United States in 1979. Um, and this force was built in the beginning of the 80s. It's still there. It is very important, even crucial, I would say. Why? Because we're living in the Middle East. It's the most unstable region in the world, I think. And we have recent history to see it. Uh, we, we cannot predict what will happen tomorrow morning. So we, we must have this force. It's a both, again, it's a mutual interest of Israel and Egypt. We talk about these things. We, tab- we talk about his efficiency and the need to uh, make it more efficient. With the Americans, we share it together. There, is, uh, the, it's, there are three parties to this side. I'm the stakeholder from the Israeli side, so I'm dealing with this issue. Uh, Sinai uh, and the force in, in, in Sinai to uh, supervise the peace treaty is still critical. Now, what you mentioned before is the paradox of, uh, of security. As you mentioned, we have security. We face it in the military, 
the uh, civilians would say, no need for such a big military. Uh, we spend a lot of money. But when some uh, you know, conflict occurs, they, they, where is the military? He needs, it needs to be, to be ready. So our foreign minister, which is, used to be our chief, used to say the, the military should be in two different positions, war or getting ready for a war. And this has uh, you know, and, implications. And- Yes, but uh, one of his successors uh, added to it and the war between the wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is between the wars, you're right. Yeah. Now, as you mentioned, the um, uh, UN peacekeeping uh, forces, uh, we don't have too much time, but if you can just in short and tell us what is the uh, status regarding UNDOF in the Golan Heights and UNIFIL in Lebanon. Well, thank you for that question, because this is uh, one of the things I'm dealing with uh, most of my time. Um, Again, trying to avoid war, trying to deconflict with the countries which, which we unfortunately don't have peace treaty with along the Golan Heights and in uh, Lebanon, mainly in Lebanon, I'm dealing with the UNIFIL, uh, the United Nations Interim Force in Lebanon on a daily basis. Interim since 1978. It's yes. in, still interim. Still interim. And, and th- since 2006, United uh, Nations Security Council uh, decision 1701, which he has to implement, my day-to-day struggle is how to make it more efficient. There is an elephant in, in the room. It's not an elephant. It's a monster, which calls Hezbollah. It's growing. We see it growing. It's acting. Recently, it's being more and more uh, blunt. He's working more bluntly. Uh, we saw the tunnels uh, in, in December, to, was, which was exposed by our side in December 18. And then uh, missile, anti-tank missile shot at an Israeli vehicle in, uh, in September, the first day of school, 2019. And then April 2020, this year, uh, the breach in the f- few places in the, in the uh, obstacle we have. And a uh, sniper shot in, uh, and trying to infiltrate Israeli, Israeli and hit Israeli soldiers in, in, in July, August. And so September. are you satisfied with so, the... Operation. It has to be more, we have no issues with its mandate. Until the, this dreamy day, we will have peace with Lebanon, and hopefully we can make peace in two days. It's, there are no conflicts. Iran is the issue, Hezbollah is the issue, not the Lebanese people. But the UNIFIL is very uh, essential for us, it's very important for us. What we are trying to do is to make it more effective and more, to utilize its, its efforts. Andof in the Golan Heights, now that the, civil, the Syrian civil war has changed, has metamorphosed, Uh, it is coming back the right. uh, and right um, is that a good force we only have a few seconds yeah yeah right so, so our aim with the undof is to bring back the situation like it was before 2011 before the civil war in in, 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 in Syria we had more than 40 years of quiet we want to bring it back to this situation and we are struggling the United Nations Security Council to bring it back to this situation uh, general Efrain one last question to summarize it all right sir. we are in the era of coalition warfare. Coalitions of the willing. In the next regional war, is Israel going to be part of the coalition? Well, uh, good question. Traditionally, Israel is not part of coalitions. Uh, the Israeli military is, was built to protect Israel. So we can cooperate with the other forces to flourish in this, in this uh, area. And again, for the sake of our children. This is what my dream, this is my, what my father's dream was. And still what my dream is. One day we'll have peace with our neighbors and we'll cooperate them. Uh, utilizing water resources and agriculture and other technologies, not militarily. Well, as uh, the military diplomat you are, you ran out the clock <laughs> without, without uh, answering in the positive. Uh, Brigadier General Ephraim Effie Efrin, head of the Israeli Cooperation Division in the General Staff, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity again. It was a pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.